Welcome to Amplifying Leadership, a podcast where we talk leadership and all that it is with guest stories, wins, tips, and challenges. My name is Tara Lehman, and I'm a partner, coach, and consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, of which Amplifying Leadership is a division. For our leadership clients, we love to support you through this podcast, tools, coaching, training, and more. To learn more about Amplifying Leadership and our leadership community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca. Today, I am welcoming Dante DiBattista, a leadership coach who specializes in helping senior HR leaders build award-winning company cultures to maximize employee engagement, productivity, and retention. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So before we get started about, uh, we're actually going to talk about change management a bit today, but before we get started with that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your leadership story? Yeah, of course. I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Uh, <laughs> but long story short, starting college, uh, when I was a college student, I was uh, lost, completely lost. I had no idea what Aww. I wanted to do with my life. I originally went to school for engineering. I failed out of engineering school and realized that I was just following a path other people chose for me. And I was mm-hmm. trying to do what I could to make others like my family and other people proud of me. So I just did whatever I thought would uh, get that response from the most people that were close to me. And I realized that I didn't really take much control over my own agency, uh, my own life, my own path. And uh, I reached this point, this crossroads after I failed out of school, deciding what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And I fell in love with psychology and just studying the topic in general. And as I started going down the psychology track, I met a bunch of great people. And one of those was the director of the Leadership Institute on my college campus named Dr. Arthur Schwartz. And he was one of the first people to see me as a leader. And so he invited me to come take courses at the Leadership Institute and eventually start facilitating courses. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time anyone saw me as a leader and classified me as a leader and all the behaviors that originally, you know, didn't serve me well in in school. I was a very outspoken student. Um, You know, those those things ended up actually being an asset. And it was the first time that anyone kind of turned uh, those qualities into a positive rather than a negative. Mm -hmm. And so I just fell in love with the feeling that you get when someone sees you as a leader, invests in you and believes in you. And I realized that that feeling that he gave me is one that I wanted to give others. And so now I I passionately serve other people and create that same feeling that, um, you know, you are recognized, you are seen, you are valuable. And I want to help you convert that into something you communicate and share with others. I believe a great leadership is contagious and I just help you uh, spread the contagion. I love that last statement. I believe the same thing. And if we can all be great leaders, then we're going to bring up those great leaders too, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And your leadership story probably resonates with a lot of listeners wherein they do what other people think they want them to do instead of truly following what it is that they are going to do. So your your different, you know, transformation from engineering to this is completely different, but glad you found your passion. Yeah, me too. And uh, one thing we talk a lot about is that leadership starts itself. So there's yeah. kind of three phases of leadership, leading self, leading others and leading change. And I know we're mm-hmm. talking about change management later, but those are kind of the three key components and they, they build off one another. Absolutely, they do for sure. And yes, we're going to focus on change management today, because let's be honest, over the last few years, change has been absolutely astronomical in the world of business and leadership, for sure, from COVID to 
just the volatile world that we do live in. So why don't we start talking about change management and why, why you find it so important for leaders to truly understand it? Absolutely. Uh, change management is, in my opinion, one of the, the final frontiers of leadership development. Uh, the reason we talk about leading self, leading others and leading change is leading others. You think when we all have a shared vision, a shared idea, we all have the same goal. We're already moving in the same direction. My job is to just help us get us there. That is difficult in its own. I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But how do you get people who have momentum, who have confidence in an end goal, who feel like they're making progress towards that goal? How do you convince them to turn around? and mm-hmm. go a different direction and charter unknown territory and deal with all of the fear of the unknown, the, the decrease in capacity all of a sudden, right? People will feel like, hey, we're using this system or doing things this way. And I feel really good. I'm confident. I come into work every day. I know exactly what to do. I mm-hmm. know I'm good at my job. Now you want me to sacrifice that comfort and do something different. I don't even know if the results are worth it. It's a really difficult thing to do. It requires a ton of empathy and consideration and compassion and communication. All of these incredible skills. It it also tests our patience. It increases conflict. And I think it really puts some of the skills that we talk about in leadership development to the test. I think change is the ultimate test of leadership. So that's why I'm so passionate about change management. And you said earlier that change is increasing. I have a, a session that I do with groups that really highlights how fast change is happening. And the example that I use, there's a, a stand-up comedian whose name escapes me at the moment, of course, when it's important that I say his <laughs> name. Um, stand-up comedian, he's from Malaysia and he, he came to the US. And he talks about differences in, in US culture in Malaysia. And he talks about how nothing's ever fast enough in the US. And he talks <laughs> about Amazon Prime and how one day, same day shipping is not going to be enough. It's going to be yeah. you know two hour shipping and how it's going to just because of hedonic adaptation, our goals are going to continue to become uh, more dramatic and we're going to expect things at a faster rate and things be more convenient. And he makes the joke. He said, uh, one day Amazon's going to break into your house <laughs> to you and yeah. you laugh. And so I show that video and then yeah. the next slide is the Amazon commercial where Amazon delivery drivers can open your garage and drop your packages off in your garage. I said, well, it was a joke in 2019 is a Super Bowl commercial in 2021. That's so crazy. that is how fast the world is changing around us. Yeah. What used to be ridiculous, like he was obviously just, you know, dr- being dramatic about the U.S. and our culture actually came through what was a joke manifested as reality. Um, there's a saying that uh, life imitates art and mm-hmm. there's, it's the truth. And I think we are, we go, our capacity to change is increasing. We are changing faster than ever before. And so not only do we have to be more prepared to change ourselves, we also need leaders who are more equipped to help others change. And I think it's mm-hmm. something that as that accelerates, we have to accelerate as well in terms of our learning and our change curve. Yeah, I agree. And it's no longer the simple, what we used to think were difficult, like ERP changes, right? Your your systems yeah. or stuff like that, that used to be those difficult changes. We're now dealing with major things, like you just mentioned, something that you dream of today and you joke about that truly becomes possible tomorrow, right? So you're right. I mean, it's such really? a crazy changing world. So maybe let's talk about a couple. I mean, that was a great um, a great example. But do you have any other um, examples of some of those big challenges that when it comes to change in an organization um, that maybe we're, we're not seeing yet? 
What are your thoughts yeah, on that? Ab- absolutely. So the examples that I gave talk a lot about someone having to change the way they do their job, mm-hmm. uh, not someone losing it. So yeah. oh, good a point. big change that's happening is artificial intelligence. It's not, I'm not just, you know, ringing some alarm or trying to scare people. I don't believe in that at all, but it is real. And artificial intelligence is absolutely going to change the way we do business, change the way we see the world, change the way we operate. And as a result, businesses are going to decide to invest in artificial intelligence and the people who are building it are going to be replacing themselves. How do you convince someone to work themselves out of a job? Yeah. That is a question that is going to be very difficult to manage and very difficult to navigate. And so I think for me, And some of the challenges that we're facing is you're going to have people that are going to dig their heels in more than ever before, feel more threatened than ever before. And not only does this exist within businesses, I know we're talking a lot about organizational change. I'm talking about worldwide change. People, Mm -hmm. and you already see it now, there's going to be civil unrest, people fearing their well-being. There's going to be uprisings of normal people who think that, you know, the upper class that make these choices are threatening their entire livelihood. So this is not my my opinion about change is change management has been more important than ever before. And Mm -hmm. it is essential that we come up with plans to make sure that people are taken care of at all levels of organizations, communities, and society as a whole. And that starts with leaders who are compassionate and are willing to understand that, yeah, profit's important. We need funds to operate our business, but we can we can push off some of these changes or we can at least do it with some compassion. And I want to give a quick example. Mm-hmm. I worked as a director of training for a utility company prior to uh, leaving the workforce and becoming a self-employed leadership consultant. And I, one of the things that we saw coming down the pipeline is automated um, meters on the side of houses. And Mm -hmm. they were originally way back when it really wasn't that long ago, but uh, (laughs) a little bit of time ago, meters used to be manually read. There was someone who had a job, they would go around with a clipboard or, you know, a tablet in their hand. And that just shows the change, right? It started as a clipboard, then it moved into a tablet and they would read meters and that would be entered into the system. And that's how you'd be billed. Now these are Bluetooth. They automatically communicate with our office. And so we no longer needed that meter reader, but we we uh, retrained them a little bit. They became meter technicians and they didn't lose any jobs. Then we, great. Then we upgraded again to new meters that changed the way meters communicate and changed the way power is delivered to homes. And now it went from, hey, your job's changing a little bit to your job's going away completely. So having to explain to people, hey, this technology is coming down the road is prior two years out, but we're going to have to retrain you. And the company that I worked at, they decided, hey, this is your pay grade. Here are other jobs within your pay grade that wouldn't require you going back to school. Like they might, some other jobs, like you could get this other job, but it would require you going back and getting your associates or bachelors, which is an option. But if you don't want to do that here, so we just gave them all their options. Okay. Here are other roles you can take. Here are other programs. And then we had to build training around that, which is incredibly difficult for me, right? Because now I have to create all these custom tracks from this yeah. role to like seven other different roles. And anyway, so that particular approach is one that I think companies are going to have to take, but that requires being honest mm-hmm. and saying, hey, your job is probably going to go away in the next few years. And every time we choose to invest money in those technologies and then not give people raises, 
right? Or give people, oh, we'll give them a 5% raise when inflation's 8%, 10% or whatever. Um, So I think it's going to increase opportunities for conflict. People are going to become extremely disengaged and it's going to become a threat to the success of organizations across the globe. Mm -hmm. So again, the trends that we're seeing is change is going to come at a faster rate. It's going to be a heightened sense of urgency on the business side, but also a heightened sense of fear and threat on the side of uh, employees. And Mm -hmm. so I think change is going to be a topic that not only remains at the forefront, but becomes more and more and more of a heated conversation. I 100% agree. And I think the communication around change is going to really have to change as well, right? It's it's completely different. Um, and so you have mentioned a few key words around the communication piece that maybe we can explore further, which is compassion, empathy, and honesty. And mm-hmm. honesty being the biggest one. I think if we don't tell our employees what's going to happen in two years or whatever, then we're hiding a truth from them that could be key to them learning something else that could help our company, as you were alluding to, right? Training them somewhere else. So passion, empathy, honesty in communication around change. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they're the pre they're prerequisites. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. point in even starting to draft some kind of communication or conversation until you ask yourself the question, how honest am I prepared to be? How am I going to present this honest truth in, in a compassionate way? And how do I expect people to react? And how do I give them room to react that way without consequence? Um, mm-hmm. And then how much time do I give them to react this way? Before we start saying, hey, I know you're upset. You have every right to be, but it's not you versus me. It's us versus the problem. How do we mm-hmm. move forward from here? Yeah. And how do, when do you start kind of intervening the, the response and start moving them in the direction that uh, you want them to go, but also they want to go? Now, they're mm-hmm. going to resist at first because you're the enemy, right? You already yeah. established yourself <laughs> as the enemy. It's yeah. too late for that to change. How do you, you're going to essentially burn a bridge in front of their face and then ask them to build another bridge with you. Yeah. How do you do that? And I think that's the question that we have to really ask ourselves before we even start sharing the message of change. And I want to go back to something you touched on, which is about reactions, because we as leaders likely already know change is coming maybe six months, maybe two years before they do. And we have to allow them to, as you said, to have those reactions because we've already experienced them. We've moved on past that most times yep. when it comes to change. We have to allow them to explore that themselves and let them be angry. Let them be frustrated and be there to support them through it. Remembering we did it already. And that is a key part of change too that I'm so happy that you alluded to because it is a, it really is a key part of communication is really understanding that. So. What do you think around change, maybe some of the bigger obstacles that we might face going forward? I know we talked about AI a little bit, but is there anything else that you think um, could be coming forward or that you are hearing is affecting companies that may be obstacles for us moving forward? Oh, I could go on for years about this. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) The uh, first I will start with is the gig gig economy, um, the rise in self-employment. I'm an example. I was uh, the director of a company in September. Um, so I've only been doing this for about 11 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've quadrupled my income. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So, and I work remote. I get to do whatever I want 
you know, in terms of schedule, the flexibility is unmatched. Um, You know, if someone asked me honestly why they should stay in their full-time role, knowing that my results are possible, I would say, I don't know how you could do that to your family. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, I don't know the answer to that question. Now, of course, there's a security, there's a ton of, I just mentioned a big pro, there's obviously cons, I'm not pretending um, I'm looking at this through rose-colored glasses, but at the same time, the gig economy is definitely a big change. Uh, Another one is trends when it comes to working from home versus hybrid versus in Mm -hmm. office. You know, you people were forced to work from home due to COVID, yeah. and now companies are starting to call people back. And there's, you know, a, a lot of trends around that. And you know, you see a lot of people point to Europe uh, as an example. I'm, I know you're based in Canada, and I'm based in the U.S. I'm yeah. not sure if this trend is is cross cultural or not, but you'll see U.S. business leaders point to Europe and say, "Well, you know, this place that a lot of." people tend to use it as an example or an exemplar for more progressive policy tends to call people back. So why can't the U S and the U S is going to deal with the fact that it's been reluctant to change for a long time. The U S has been reluctant to invest in, in public infrastructure in terms of transportation. Uh, There's a million other examples that I can give Mm -hmm. where the U S and its culture of resistance to change overall is going to be detrimental to the well-being of people which is only going to cause them to distrust systems and sources of authority even further, Mm -hmm. which is going to stimulate some of those uprisings again within organizations, within communities and the system as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can only speak from a U.S. perspective, but those are some trends that I'm starting to see change often breeds distrust and, and factions. And the more we fail to provide the support people need to digest change and feel like they're a part of the decision-making process, um, the more we're going to see that that bridge burn and that distance grow, and the harder it's going to become to ever build a bridge again. Yeah. And, and when you do talk about, for example, the remote and hybrid, I mean, a lot of my clients and probably a lot of yours get their employees saying, but we did it for two years, you know? And I think when you talk about them helping with the decision making through it helps them understand the purpose behind maybe why there's going to be a shift back or maybe we're going from remote to hybrid rather than remote right back in and letting them be part of those decisions certainly does help with change and help with them understanding the why behind it yeah absolutely yeah so is there like a big tip you want to share with our audience today that can help build good cultures or continue to build them when we do have major changes coming about? Yeah, I have two, uh, two of All my right. favorite um, exercises, activities, um, just thought exercises, I should say. So first I would say companies and people around the world need to embrace conflict. Conflict mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. Conflict is a great opportunity to learn and grow. So everyone needs to internally evaluate their relationship with conflict and understand why they have a negative perception of it. So an exercise that I do with groups, and I'm giving away some of my secrets, so we should charge charge people to listen to this. We should charge for this, Um, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm joking. There is an exercise I'd love to do uh, when I work with teams on conflict resolution and communication. There is research called the Progress Principle. Uh, There's a book called the Progress Principle. And I use it a lot in in some of my workshops, but the essential thought process behind the progress principle is this question of what engages employees and team members the most 
And research shows in general, it's just a feeling of progress, feeling like I'm growing within my role. My family is growing as a result of me being here, right? If I'm a part of the the twin life coaching group, I want to feel like my presence here grows, allows me to grow as a professional, allows my family to grow as people because I'm growing as a person, which allows me to be a better father, husband, so on and so forth. And I'm growing this organization that's growing a community, right? This feeling of progress, this sense of progress. And there's a ton of research that shows that when you ask hiring managers, uh, project leaders, executives, what they think engages people the most, they answer things like incentives, recognition, the feeling of like interpersonal support. And the truth of the matter is those are all great things. But if you have interpersonal support at a job, but you're making no progress, you know, in the back of your mind that one day they're going to let you go. Yeah. If you get recognition, but you never grow, they're not going to recognize anything because there's no growth to recognize. If there's incentives like bonuses, performance-based bonuses, but you're not growing towards those goals, you'll never get it anyway. Mm -hmm. So the incentive doesn't matter. It's always that sense of progress. And how do you create a sense of progress uh, and make sure that the individual's progress is in and their personal goals are in alignment with organizational progress? And change is a threat to that alignment. So the reason I bring that whole framework up is when I work with companies and we do this conflict of communication, we do an exercise where I ask them a multiple choice question based on research. They pick an answer, A, B, C, D, E. And then I have them stand in a corner of the room that represents that answer. And then they have a conversation with all the people who pick the same answer as them. Then I have them count off and then rotate a little bit. So now the groups are mixed up. Now you're staying in a corner of people that disagreed with you. And then I ask them to talk to the people who disagree with them. And then I ask them to go to sit down. And before I share the answer based on research, I ask them questions. The first one is, um, which group was easier to talk to? And the answer is almost always, I've done this thousands of times, thousands of people I've done this exercise with. 99% of the time, they're going to say the people that I agreed with were easy to talk to. So we have a confirmation Mm -hmm. bias. Then I ask, which group do you wish you had more time with? They'll say the group I disagree with, because I think if I had a couple more minutes, I really could have convinced somebody. (laughs) And then I ask people to raise their hand if they change their mind. And almost no one raised their hand. And I says, let me get this straight. You are leaders whose job is to often change people's minds, but you're not prepared to do the same. You often connect with people who confirm what you believe. There's confirmation bias. And we often try and squash conflict, but you just heard a room full of leaders say conflict sometimes makes them want to go a little harder or work a little more. We want people to go the extra mile, but we squash the fuel that fuels the fire, which is sometimes conflict in this belief that, you know what, we can, we can do better. If I just had a little more time with this project, it could have been right. So Mm-hmm. The point that I try to make through this exercise is that conflict isn't always a bad thing. We just need a healthy relationship with it. Uh, conflict is is a tool that we can use. It's something that uh, isn't inherently threatening. It's just that we don't have a healthy relationship with it. So let me start talking about what that healthy relationship looks like. So that's one tip. And I realized that was a long one. The second one's a lot shorter, I promise. <laughs> second one uh, is a book called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. And I'm sure some people are familiar with it, uh, but the book highlights essentially six different hats people wear and how they approach problem solving. And when I do uh, another exercise, we, we talk about the six thinking hats and I ask people which hat they find themselves wearing most often and why, and then which hat they find themselves often having conflict with. And just to give you an example, 
the green hat is typically like an optimistic, big idea person. And oftentimes people who hear a problem and just start throwing out these grand ideas often are in conflict with the critical thinkers or the devil's advocate kind of people. Mm -hmm. So what happens in meetings is we have this problem. We want to solve it. One person throws out a big idea and the other one says it's a bad idea. And now you have, now you have this argument and we just, we just spend time arguing the validity of one idea. When, if you have an hour long meeting and you have six hats, you spend 10 minutes wearing each hat instead. Mm-hmm. So we all approach the same problem from the same process or perspective. And then we get as many ideas on the table. We get all the facts on the table. We get everyone's feelings on the table. Now everyone's sharing their perspective, wearing the same hat at the same time. So it reduces opportunity for conflict and gives everyone an opportunity to wear every hat. So if we have 10 minutes where everyone's throwing out ideas, instead of one idea being offered and it just being shut down, no, and when we're wearing the green hat, we're all wearing it. No one's shutting mm-hmm. in any ideas. Our job is to get a, a list of as many ideas as possible. So mm-hmm. when everyone's on the same page, thinking the same way, and I don't mean the same way as in like, we want group think. That's not what I mean. No, I mean, yeah, we're taking yeah. the same strategy yep. to solve a piece of the puzzle together. So every step feels like everyone is doing, taking the same step at the same time together in units and moving in the same direction. And, and I use that with brainstorming. So if I have a team, it's okay, everybody, we're brainstorming this problem, we're brainstorming solutions for it. But we're going to go around the table and you cannot judge anybody's. It could be yep. way far out of budget, it could be whatever you don't judge. Right. And then we come back and we say, what's at a budget? Is there anything we can learn from this? You know, et cetera, things like that. And that is a, yep. a great, you know, exactly speaking to those types of hats that you're talking to as well. And conflict, you're right, it happens. And we have to be open to it in a positive way rather than an aggressive way. So, yeah, th- those are great tips. Thank you so much for both of those. Thank you for such an amazing conversation on change management today. If any of our listeners wanted to reach out, learn more about you or your business, how can they do that? Yeah, it's very easy. Luckily, I have a unique name. So if you just Google Dante DiBattista, you will find me everywhere. Uh, I'm on my website, DanteDiBattista.com. You connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and really all social media platforms. I'm, I'm very accessible. Uh, always love having conversations with people. Feel free to reach out. Um, I just love engaging in these conversations. It's, it's my passion. It's what I love to do. So anyone who is interested at all, uh, I made the joke about charging, but there's free consultations <laughs> on my website. You just click the book meeting, free consultation, and then and schedule some time with me. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for today, Dante. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate the invitation. A big thank you to our listeners. We do hope that you're taking away some tips and information to help you on your change management journeys. If you are new to leadership or a seasoned leader who know that support and developing your skills are the way to moving forward, or you want to join our leadership community, please visit AmplifyLeadership.ca, a twin life coaching and business services division. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader or leader to be.